We start with questions to Prime Minister Neil Coyle. Mr Speaker, with Armistice Day on Friday, I know that colleagues from across the House will want to join me in remembering those who have lost their lives in the service of our country. Mr Speaker, this morning I had meetings with ministerial colleagues and others in addition to my duties in this House. I shall have further such meetings later today. Neil Coyle. Thank you, Mr Speaker. The people I serve will, of course, be commemorated in remembrance. Bermondsey was the original home of the Poppy Factory, providing work for injured veterans of the Great War over 100 years ago. Uh, but, Mr Speaker, Covid restrictions were a necessary, if painful, experience. Across the country, most people made enormous sacrifices, like Charlotte, my constituents and local councillor Lorraine, unable to see their mums in their final days. These people were betrayed by the Conservatives who parted their way through lockdown. Covering... You may, you may not like it, but you can all go to eat kangaroo testicles for all I care. But those, those Conservatives covered Downing Street in suitcases of wine, in vomit and in fixed penalty notices. Can this Prime Minister promise today he will use his power of veto to ensure that no one who received an FPN for breaking Covid laws is rewarded with a seat in the House of Lords? Well, I Mr. Mr. Speaker, what I can say is that this government, during COVID, ensured that we protected people's jobs, that we supported the NHS to get through the difficult times, and that we rolled out the fastest vaccine in Europe. That's what we did for this country. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. I welcome the commitments made by my right honourable friend at COP27 this week. If he wants to do something that really helps get us to net zero, improves our energy security and helps create new opportunities in places like Milford Haven, South Wales, South West England. Can I urge him to really throw the full weight of his office behind delivering floating offshore wind in the Celtic Sea and crucially ensure that decisions being taken now by the Crown Estate and the Treasury mean that the economic value, the jobs of this new industry stay here in the UK? Well, can I praise my right honourable friend for highlighting the incredible potential of floating offshore wind technology to help us move to net zero. Uh, he's right about the opportunities in the Celtic Sea and for Wales more generally, and I can confirm to him that Crown Estate's leasing process is expected to deliver more seabed leases for many more projects. Yeah. The opposition, Keir Starmer. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Mr Speaker. Can I join the Prime Minister in his comments about Remembrance Day? Uh, we remember all those who paid the ultimate price and all those who have served and are serving our country. Mr Speaker, the member for South Staffordshire told a civil servant to slit their throat. How does the Prime Minister think the victim of that bullying felt when he expressed great sadness at his resignation? Mr. Speaker, Mr. Speaker, unequivocally, the behaviour complained of was unacceptable, and it is absolutely right. It is absolutely right that the right honourable gentleman has resigned. For the record, I did not know about any of the specific concerns relating to his conduct as Secretary of State or Chief Whip, which date back some years. I believe that people in public life should treat others with consideration and respect, and those are the principles that this government will stand by. 
Mr Speaker, the member for South Staffordshire spent years courting the idea he can intimidate others, blurring the lines to normalise bullying behaviour. It's precisely why the Prime Minister gave him a job. The truth is simple. He's a pathetic bully. But he would never get away with it if people like the Prime Minister didn't hand him power. So does he regret his decision to make him a government minister? Mr Speaker, I obviously regret appointing someone who has had to resign in these circumstances. But I think think what the British people would like to know is that when situations like this arise, that they will be dealt with properly. And that's why... And that's why it is absolutely right that he resigned, and it's why it is absolutely right that there is an investigation to look into these matters properly. I said my government would be characterised by integrity, professionalism and accountability, and it will. Mr Speaker, everyone in the country knows someone like the member for South Staffordshire. A sad middle manager getting off on intimidating those beneath him. But everyone in the country also knows someone like the Prime Minister. The boss who is so weak, so worried the bullies will turn on him, that he hides behind them. What message does he think it sends when, rather than take on the bullies, he lines up alongside them and thanks them for their loyalty? Mr Speaker, the message that I clearly want to send is that integrity in public life matters. And that is why... That is why it is right that the right honourable member has resigned. It is why it is right that there is a rigorous process to examine these issues. But as well as focusing on this one individual, it is also right and important that we keep delivering for the whole country. And that is why this Government will continue to concentrate on stabilising the economy, on strengthening the NHS and on tackling illegal migration. Those are my priorities. Those are the priorities of the British people, and this government will deliver on them. Mr Speaker, the problem is he can't stand up to a run-of-the-mill bully, so he has no chance of standing up to vested interests on behalf of working people. Take Shell. They made record profits this year, £26 billion. How much have they paid under his so-called windfall tax? Mr Speaker, I was Chancellor who introduced an extra tax on the oil and gas companies. Right. But, but he talks, he talks, Mr Speaker, he talks about working people. The right honourable member voted against legislation to stop strikes disrupting working people. He voted, he voted against legislation to stop extremist protesters disrupting working people. That's because he's not on the side of working people, Mr Speaker. That's what the Conservatives are for. Mr Speaker, I'm I'm against all of those causing chaos, damage to our public services and to our economy, whether they are gluing themselves to the road or sitting on the government benches. Mr Speaker, there was no answer to the question because the answer is nothing. Shell haven't paid a penny in windfall tax. Why? Because for every pound they spend digging for fossil fuels, 
He hands them a 90p tax break, and it's costing the taxpayer billions. So will he find a backbone and end his absurd oil and gas giveaway? Well, Mr Speaker, what the party opposite will never understand is that it's businesses investing that create jobs in this country. Mr Speaker, we on this side of the House, we understand that. We will support businesses to invest, to create jobs, because that's how we create prosperity, that's how we support strong public services, and that's what you get with a Conservative government. There's only one party that crashed the economy, and they're all sitting there. It's a pattern, Mr Speaker, it's a pattern with this Prime Minister. Too weak to sack the security threat sat around the Cabinet table. Too weak to take part in a leadership contest after he lost the first one. Too weak to stand up for working people. He spent weeks flirting with the climate change deniers in his party, then scuttled off to COP at the last minute. In the Budget next week, He'll be too weak to end his oil and gas giveaway, scrap the non-DOM tax breaks, and end the farce of taxpayers subsidising private schools. That's what Labour would do, a proper plan for working people. Mr Speaker, if he can't even stand up to a cartoon bully with a pet spider, if he's too scared to face the public in an election, what chance has he got of running the country? We We want to try and get through on time, and I know some members want to catch my eye. They're not doing a good job so far. Come on, Prime Minister. Mr Speaker, the Honourable Gentleman talks about judgment about putting people around the Cabinet table. I would just gently remind him he thought the member for Islington North was the right person to look after our security. But, Mr Speaker, the the Honourable Gentleman, the Honourable Gentleman, he said a lot today. He said a lot today, but it's clear that he isn't focused on the serious issues that are confronting our country. We're strengthening our economy. He's backing the strikers. We're supporting people with energy bills. He's supporting the protesters. And we're tackling illegal migration. He's opposing every measure. The British people want real leadership on the serious global challenges we face, and that's what they'll get from this government. Mr Speaker, 84 years ago today in Germany, hundreds of synagogues were destroyed, Torah schools were desecrated, thousands of Jewish businesses and, and shops were destroyed as well. 91 Jewish people were murdered, and later 30,000 Jewish men were sent to the concentration camps. So as we commemorate Kristallnacht, let us remember that it was started with anti-Jewish hatred it became anti-Semitism, and it's still prevalent in society today. So will my right honourable friend condemn anti-Semitism in all its forms, but congratulate the Holocaust survivors who give their testimony year after year, and in particular congratulate the Holocaust Educational Trust for the brilliant work they do in making sure we will never, ever forget what happened in the Holocaust. 
Well, can I thank my honourable friend for his powerful question and his continued work on this issue? Uh, I completely agree with him. Anti-Semitism has no place in our society, and we're taking a strong lead in tackling it in all forms. We became the first country to adopt the IHRA definition of anti-Semitism, and the government's independent adviser on anti-Semitism regularly provides advice to ministers on how best to tackle this issue. And can I join him, as I know the whole House will, in praising the work of those survivors who so bravely tell their stories so that we might never forget. Yeah. SNP leader Ian Blackford. Yeah. Thank you, Mr Speaker. And can I associate myself with the remarks of the Prime Minister for Armistice? We remember those that paid the ultimate sacrifice, those that continue to serve, and we should also remember the nuclear test veterans who continue to yeah, seek yeah, justice yeah, yeah. for themselves. Mr Speaker, last night the Prime Minister suffered the self-inflicted loss of his first Cabinet Minister. A couple of weeks into the job, it turns out this Prime Minister's judgment is every bit as bad as his predecessors. <laughs> Speaking of which, we now know that his former friend, the former Prime Minister, plans to hand out seats in the House of Lords to at least four Tory MPs, including the current Secretary of State for Scotland. So here's another test of judgment for the new Prime Minister. Does he think it right to keep a man in a cabinet who is clearly far more interested in getting his hands on an ermine robe than playing by the rules of Scottish democracy? Mr Speaker, I'm obviously not going to comment on speculation around such lists. Any lists would, of course, follow the normal procedures and processes that are in place. Ian Blackford. I'm afraid it's uh, not speculation. And, of course, the Prime Minister clearly doesn't get how corrupt this all looks to people in Scotland. Because not only do we have a UK government that denies democracy, we now have a Secretary of State that is running scared from it. In the middle of a Tory cost of living crisis, the Scotland office is now to be led by a baron in waiting, biding his time until he can cash in on the 300 day job for life in the House of Lords. He should be sacked from the Cabinet, and the people of Dumfries and Galloway should be given the chance to sack the Tories in a by election. The Prime Minister's judgment is already in tatters. If he has any integrity left, Will he now put a stop to these two predecessors stuffing the House of Lords yep. with his cronies? Yeah. Mr Speaker, what the Secretary of State and I are jointly focused on is working constructively with the Scottish Government to deliver for the people of Scotland. I'll be pleased to be meeting the First Minister tomorrow because that, I think, is what the people of Scotland want to see. Indian Collins. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Criminal gangs who are operating to bring people into this country in small boats, an issue that directly affects my constituents and folks in Hyde, are openly using social media platforms to recruit people to use their services. Can my right honourable friend confirm that the online safety bill will require social media platforms to take effective action to remove this content? And is it also the intention of the government to bring the bill back later this month? Well, can I thank my honourable friend for his work in raising awareness of this particular issue? He is absolutely right, and I'm pleased to give him the reassurance that the online safety bill will require platforms to remove and limit the spread of illegal content and activity online. Assisting illegal immigration is listed as a priority bill in the a priority offence in the bill, and we look forward to bringing it back to the House in due course. Samuel Roberts. The Prime Minister is struggling to rebuild the Tories' ruined economic credibility after his predecessor scorned the Office for Budget Responsibility. But 
In a Bloomberg interview just last week, his Trade Secretary disputed OBR forecasts that trade will be 15 per cent lower because of Brexit. Britain's economic prospects are worsened by being outside the world's largest trading bloc. That is a fact. So who does he agree with? The OBR or his Tory minister? Well, well, Mr Speaker, one of the great opportunities of Brexit is our ability to trade more with countries around the world. Actually, I know the honourable. I know the honourable lady will actually want to speak to many of the Welsh farmers who are enjoying selling their lamb to the new markets that we have opened up for them. That's what we'll get on and deliver. Millions. Mr. Speaker, excessive housing targets are placing greater and greater pressure on councils to approve development which damages our environment. When the Prime Minister came to Finchley over the summer, he said he wanted to abolish those targets. Will he use the levelling up bill report stage to bring forward government amendments to do that? Uh, Mr Speaker, the government is committed to making home ownership a reality for a new generation, and we must build homes in the right places where people want to live and work. But, as the Honourable Lady knows, and as I said, I want those decisions to be taken locally, with greater say for local communities rather than distant bureaucrats, and my right honourable friend, the Secretary of State, is happy to sit and meet with her to discuss how best to make this a reality. Mr Speaker, does the Prime Minister remember back in February when he was Chancellor of the Exchequer when I I informed him that due to his incompetence in that job, the children in my constituency would go to bed that night with no food in their tummy and no heat in their homes? What is he now going to do as Prime Minister to make sure that in every community in our country children aren't in that situation in this hard winter ahead? Well, Mr Speaker, the absolute best way to ensure that children do not grow up in poverty, which is something that none of us want to see, is to ensure that they do not grow up in a workless household. And the record under these governments is that 700,000 fewer children are growing up in workless households, and that's because Conservative governments create jobs for people, Mr Speaker, and that's the best anti-poverty strategy that we have. I visited a bridging hotel in my constituency that is currently housing 77 Afghan refugees. As local organisations search for permanent accommodation for them following the success of Operation Pitting. Many of the refugees I met held highly skilled jobs back in Afghanistan, including a doctor, international athletes and government ministers. Can the Prime Minister assure the House that our government will do more to support these highly skilled individuals to enter the UK workforce. Yeah. Well, it's n- nice to hear from my honourable friend uh, again this week, and I can reassure him that we are completely committed to supporting Afghan refugees into the employment opportunities here in the UK. The Department for Work and Pensions uh, has a full programme in place, and I can also tell him that our Refugee Leads Network brings together refugee organisations and DWP to connect those refugees with employment opportunities, and I look forward to seeing the fruits of that programme with him in the near future. Bradshaw. Five years ago, the Government belatedly launched a review into the security risk posed by handing thousands of mainly wealthy Russian and Chinese nationals so-called golden visas so they could live in Britain. It also promised to publish the results of that review. Why hasn't it? 
Yeah. Well, uh, Mr. Um, Mr. Speaker, we did indeed review and indeed end the, the visa that the honourable gentleman is raising. Uh, the Home Office is currently conducting the right way to replace that visa with something that is more sustainable going forward and protects our security interests. I'll be happy to have the Home Secretary write to him with an update on that process. Siobhan Burley. Thank you, Mr. Workforce shortage, yet millions of parents are unable to work at full tilt and childcare providers are going belly up due to policies being a maddenly expensive muddle of a mess. Will my right honourable friend please confirm that after decades of ineffective tinkering and endless policies, that he will be the man to give us proper childcare reform? Well, Mr Speaker, I'm pleased to say we've announced ambitious new plans to improve the cost, the choice and the availability of childcare to benefit hundreds of thousands of parents across the country. This includes measures to increase the number of children that we can look after by each staff member and indeed make it easier for people to become childminders. We'll respond to all of these proposals in very short order. Thank you very much, Mr Speaker. I know the Prime Minister has been very busy failing to stand up to bullies, but in the real world, in the real world schools and colleges across the country looking after actual children are struggling to make ends meet. One London headteacher has scrapped plans for mental health counsellors. A headteacher in Twickenham is no longer filling teaching assistant vacancies, whilst another is axing school trips. So, Mr Speaker, will the Prime Minister give pupils and parents a cast-iron guarantee that in next week's autumn statement there will be no real terms cuts to school and college budgets? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mr Speaker, we've significantly increased funding going into schools over the next two years. But on top of that, it was important to this government to help those children who left behind their education opportunities during the pandemic, which is why we invested £5 billion to helping those children catch up, including unveiling the most, embraced, most comprehensive programme of tutoring that this country has ever seen. It is closing the attainment gap and disproportionately benefiting disadvantaged children, and it's something that I know all colleagues will get behind. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Despite a productive meeting with the Immigration Minister yesterday, the Home Office continues to house over 400 asylum seekers in two neighbouring hotels in my constituency. It's clear from my meetings with GPs and Derbyshire Police that this huge influx of people in such a small area is putting local services under immense strain. Before services in Area Wash hit breaking point, will my right honourable friend commit to immediate reduction in, in asylum seekers concentrated in one uh, place? And will he intervene to set a timetable for permit closure of accommodation centres at this location? Well, Mr. Speaker, let me give my honourable friend my absolute uh, cast iron commitment that we want to get to grips with this problem. The best way to resolve it is to stop criminal gangs profiting from an illegal trade in human lives and the unacceptable rise in channel crossings, which is putting unsustainable pressure on our system and local services. She has my reassurance that the Home Secretary and I are working day and night to resolve this problem, not just to end the use of expensive contingency accommodation, but for more fundamental reform so that we can finally get to grips with this issue, protect our borders and end illegal migration. Mr Speaker, under the Prime Minister's short premiership, he's had one minister resign and one that urgently needs to be sacked. Can the Prime Minister clarify to the House and the rest of the country when the scheduled programme of integrity, 
professionalism and accountability will begin. Yeah. Uh, Mr Speaker, it's precisely because I want a government characterised by integrity, professionalism and accountability that the right honourable gentleman was right to resign and it's right that we have an independent process. That's the type of government I will lead. When situations like this arise, we will deal with them properly and that's what we have done. Ian Russell. Thank you, Mr Speaker. It's quite amazing when a minister's come from his post to get more cheers. Come on, Dean Russell. Thank thank you, Mr Speaker, and thank you to my colleagues. Um, Just just like the Prime Minister, I was very fortunate to join the Royal British Legion in becoming a poppy volunteer recently. Uh, I joined uh, uh, colleagues in uh, in Abbots Langley, and I was part of Les Bettersy's team. And this week I'll be joining Tony Griffiths and his team in the Tudor Ward in Watford. Mr Speaker... I would like to ask if the Prime Minister will join me in thanking all of the Poppy Appeal volunteers across the country and in my constituency for their work to ensure that we always remember those who have made the ultimate sacrifice. And if the Prime Minister or perhaps the Minister for Veterans will also visit Watford to meet our heroic veterans who we owe so much. My honourable friend is a fantastic champion for Watford and it is a pleasure to join him in thanking the Royal British Legion's Poppy Appeal volunteers, both in Watford and across the country. There is no greater sacrifice than those who lay down their lives in the service of our nation. So I'm proud, as many others are, to support the Poppy Appeal and to honour our veterans. Carl Turner. If the Prime Minister or any member of his many households became unwell, would he start ringing the GP surgery at 8 o'clock each morning to not get an appointment? Would he go off to accident and emergency and wait 12 hours to be seen? Would he call an ambulance which wouldn't come? Or would he use some of his £750 million unearned wealth to pay privately and see somebody there and then? Well, Mr Speaker, I'm very grateful, and let me put on record my thanks to the fantastic team at the Friaridge Hospital in North Allerton, who provided excellent care to my family over the years. Uh, But the Honourable Gentleman is right to highlight the issue of people waiting unacceptably long for treatment that they need. That's why we've put record funding into the NHS to help with backlogs and waiting times this winter. It's why the Health Secretary and the Chancellor are discussing how best to deliver the reforms that we need, because I want to make sure that everyone gets the care they need, and we will continue to invest in more doctors, more nurses and more community scans so that we can deliver exactly that. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Blackpool is due to benefit from a £300 million private sector-led regeneration project which will deliver thousands of new jobs for my constituents over the years ahead. To deliver this ambitious new project, we need support with a £40 million package of relocating the existing court complex which currently occupies the site. Various Secretaries of State have been very supportive of the project so far, so is the Prime Minister able to give me an update on when we can receive some good news about how we can get this project off the ground? Well, can I I join with the Honourable Member in recognising the importance of the Blackpool Central Regeneration 
Innovation Project to the town's levelling up ambitions. I, I can tell him that my uh, right honourable friend, the Justice Secretary and uh, Housing Secretary, are in the process of resolving this issue for him and how best we can relocate the court complex. And I can tell him he won't have to wait very long for an update on the plans. It is a critical time for our steel industry, hit by massive energy costs and low demand at a time when we need to support our industry to adapt to, be, to build the green technologies that we will need. Does the Prime Minister agree that our sovereign capability and our national security is dependent on a strong UK steel industry? And if so, will the Government not sit on its hands? And what is the Prime Minister's plan for steel? Yeah. Mr Speaker, I'm proud of our track record. Not only did we support one steel company in South Wales during coronavirus that needed our assistance, which we were pleased to do, we also have provided over £2 billion to support energy-intensive industries, including steel, with high energy bills and, thanks to the work of my colleagues, remove the tariffs in exporting steel to the United States. But she has my assurance that we will continue to support steel because we recognise its importance to our economy and to our communities up and down the country. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Supermarkets such as Morrisons are abusing their dominant market position on fuel, charging up to 20p per litre more in Bridport than other towns in the region, thus preventing West Dorset residents from benefiting from the very unusual reduction in market price these days. Will the Prime Minister agree to meet with me to discuss what action can be taken against these commercial predators who harm our local residents in this way? Well, Mr Speaker, as Chancellor, I was pleased to cut duty by 5p a litre, the biggest ever cut in fuel duty to help motorists in our country. Uh, but I recognise the concerns the Honourable Gentleman raised. That's why we asked the Competition and Markets Authority to conduct an urgent review of the market. Uh, there are some actions to be considered coming out of that review, and I look forward to meeting with him and working with the CMA to explore its recommendations in more detail. Liam Byrne. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Tomorrow, across my constituency of Hodge Hill, I'll be delivering food bank collection crates because once more our food banks are running out of food. Does the Prime Minister understand the despair my constituents feel that he, as one of the richest men in Britain, is doing so little? They don't like the truth, Mr Speaker. Does he understand the despair my constituents feel that he is doing so little for the poorest in Britain by refusing to cancel the £3 billion tax break for non-DOMs who profit from our country but won't make our country their home? Well, uh, Mr Speaker, I'm proud of my and this government's track record in supporting the most vulnerable in our society, uh, and that will always continue. And it is a bit rich hearing from the gentleman who, the first person who reminded us what happens when the economy gets crashed by a Labour government. That's no way to help people. We will build a strong economy. That's what enables us to support the most vulnerable. That's what enables us to support strong public services. Uh, the British people are reliant on our party and this government to fulfil its promises on levelling up, uh, uh, not just up and down the country, but sideways too. Does my right honourable friend agree with me that the Felixstowe Harwich Freeport plan will be judged as an historic failure unless such a plan succeeds in levelling up a deprived ward that is in my constituency? And will my right honourable friend join me in Clacton to kick-start that plan? Also. Mr Speaker, will my right honourable friend commit to coming to the tendering showcase currently in the Jubilee Room until 2.30? Yeah, 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 yeah. 
That sounds like a very appealing invitation, Mr Speaker, but I agree with my honourable friend that levelling up has to deliver for communities in every corner of the United Kingdom, including in coastal communities in the south, Mr Speaker. He knows I'm a champion of free ports, and I look forward to working with him to see how best we can realise their benefits in his area. That completes Prime Minister's questions. Those who wish to leave, please do so quietly.